Hello, and welcome to the Portfolio Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryson, Head of Investment Consulting at John Hancock Investment Management. And as always, the goal of this podcast is to help investment professionals deliver better outcomes for their clients and their practice. Today is April 15th, 2021, traditionally tax day. But again, this year, uh, it's been postponed, which I'm personally in favor of. Uh, It's springtime. Things are getting warmer. We have warmer weather for one. We have a warmer economy for another. Some would even say it's getting hot. And uh, we also have a warmer stock market. Uh, With that said, I've invited back two regular guests to the podcast, Emily Rowland and Matt Miskin, our co-chief investment strategists here at John Hancock Investment Management. Emily and Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hey, John. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, John. Excellent. So on Sunday, I was watching the Masters and rolled right into Jay Powell talking about the economy. So Emily, I know you're a golf fan. I know you're a fan of the economy. Tell us what's going on right now. What are we looking at in terms of economic growth? Sure, John. So it was a great Masters, but uh, just turning to the economy, it is just remarkable. I mean, the U.S. economic data for March has been, I would say, breathtaking. Uh, You look at things like manufacturing ISM at at 64.7 in the U.S., which is the highest since 1983. A million jobs restored in the month of March, if you include revisions for the prior two months. And just this morning, we saw a 9.8% month over month, yes, month over month, increase uh, in U.S. retail sales as those stimulus checks started to get spent. Uh, so it's clear here that the, the consumer is, you know, sort of charging out of the gates here um, as excess savings start to, uh, to get spent. And meanwhile, inflation's remaining fairly well behaved. If you look at core CPI over the last three months, um, it's averaging about 1.9%, which is well beneath the Fed's uh, 2% target. You heard uh, Powell talk again on Sunday night about the Fed's new framework for average inflation targeting. So they'd like to see inflation stay above for 2% for some time uh, before they make any changes to monetary policy. And we are still well below that. So if you look at this combination of, of, of more tempered inflation and really accelerating economic growth, you know, it's, it's hard to get much better than this in terms of a backdrop for risk assets. Um, or assets, broadly speaking, as bonds can, t- can do well as inflation remains contained. So, you know, I think the challenge for investors here is that a lot of the great economic news is, is priced in already to markets. Um, and you saw that this morning with yields, in our opinions, you know, staying put um, as, as, you know, markets are starting to potentially look now towards a more normal growth environment. Um, you know, after we sort of get past these next couple quarters or of, uh, you know, blockbuster growth here in the U.S. So that's really the challenge going forward. Being tactical in order to identify the best opportunities we think is going to be increasingly important here um, as we head forward. Now, we're going to get into that. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into the economy and how to be tactical to take advantage of where we are right now. But before I do, I want to talk about the other thing that's hot. It's the stock market. Um, Matt, I want to talk about how valuations are looking. I feel like every time I have you two on the call, we're talking about markets hitting new highs. How do you feel about valuations right now? So the S&P 500 is trading at 22 times forward earnings. And the forward earnings estimate is about 25% growth for 2021. 
you could say that's a high bar uh, to overcome, but just thus far in Q1 earnings results, which really just kicked off yesterday with the big banks coming out and providing earnings, they are blowing out expectations. Um, so the financial sector showing some really nice earnings results. And really what this means to us is the multiple on the market, the valuation of the market may not change that much. You might not get that much more multiple expansion, but it's going to be all about earnings. And we're watching these earnings seasons as they unfold for Q1 and, and subsequent ones will be watching very closely. And we believe earnings will come in very strong this year for corporations. And that's what's going to drive stock prices. So we want to focus on the best opportunities for earnings recovery potential. That's bringing us a bit to value. It's bringing us down in cap into mid cap stocks in our favorite sector for earnings recovery industrials for the reopening and the economic activity that Emily was uh, just referencing. Excellent. So kind of going back a little bit, Emily, I'm going to ask you, we saw the sharp decline in 2020 that we all experienced, and we're seeing this emerging bull market. How does that look versus past bull markets, and can we learn anything from it? So, John, the second year of bull markets have historically been more challenging than the first, as the returns uh, normally are, are front-loaded or front-end loaded. So if you look at the S&P 500, it bottomed on March 23rd of last year, um, and one year out, it was up 75%. It's up, of course, even more than that if you look as of today. Um, that is better than any other bear market that we've had in the U.S. since World War II. Um, in fact, on average, you've earned about 47% one year out. Um, this really only rivals the post-global financial crisis uh, bull market recovery. Um, and we're tracking pretty closely to that. Um, one thing I will point out is that after the initial uh, surge in stock prices following 08-09, we did see a period of consolidation or volatility playing out over the next one to two years before markets ultimately found their footing and climbed higher. So while we do believe here that a new uh, bull market is unfolding, and we do expect to see potentially some digestion playing out in the markets over the next year um, as, as we kind of look forward past this, again, surge in economic data towards a more normal environment. And that's one of the reasons that we think it's important to be very thoughtful about risk-taking in portfolios and very thoughtful about asset allocation in the year, in the year to come. Got it. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising to have that volatility with what we've seen over the last couple of months as the market digests all this news. So, Emily, we started talking about uh, the economy. I kind of want to check in on where we are in the economic cycle and get back to the point you made about how people should be positioning their portfolios tactically for where we are in that cycle. Sure. So we're still we're still in the early part of the economic cycle, given the the you know outsized strength of the economic data. But this cycle is aging quickly. Not only is the market cycle happening at warp speed, but the economic cycle is recovering faster than almost any economist predicted. So that makes things a little bit more challenging for markets. You know, when we think about early cycle dynamics, we want to be focused on areas like value in the U.S., which still has a lot of catch-up potential after a lot of outperformance from growth over the last number of years here. 
Um, and we also want to look to areas like mid-cap equities to have exposure to more economically sensitive parts of the market. Matt also talked about the industrials sector, which is a big overweight in mid-caps. And we think that that intersection of those areas should do well as we experience this post-recessionary bounce, as we start to rebuild and, and quite literally rebuild as we potentially see infrastructure spending playing out over the next couple of years. We expect to see good solid earnings growth on a relative basis coming out of industrials as well. But we also want to be mindful of kind of getting ready for this middle part of the economic cycle, which we're starting to transition into after this hugely um, big run for areas like small caps and high beta. Uh, so we want to look to qu the quality factor. Um, and it's typified by sectors or parts of the market with great return on equity, strong balance sheets, good earning stability, really well-run businesses that could do well as fundamentals start to come back into the spotlight. So I would wrap it up by saying that really 2020 was all about multiple expansion, and Matt talked about that. Um, and as earnings growth becomes the name of the game in 2021, it's really about identifying companies that can do well, that have strong business models, that can uh, do well regardless of which direction the economic cycle goes in going forward. And if it is more modest, we think that those strong companies with, with great fundamentals can really rise to the top. So I would say a combination of value and quality for this next stage. Value and quality, that makes sense. And it's consistent with the messaging that I've heard from both you and Matt. Now, Matt, um, I listened in earlier on yours and Emily's uh, WebEx earlier this week, the market intelligence quarterly update. And you had a lot of interesting comments around the US dollar that I want to dig in on. You know, can you share with us your thoughts on the dollar going forward? Maybe kind of recap some of the action we've seen uh, recently and what, what impact that's having on inter international equities? Yeah, so what we've seen is the dollar has been in a weakening trend for the, the much of the back half of 2020. And then in the first quarter of 2021, we actually saw it strengthen a bit. And what we believe was driving that was better economic activity in the United States vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the world. And what we believe is the number one and driver of currencies in general is relative economic strength because that's gonna drive capital flows, it's gonna drive higher interest rates, and that's gonna cause interest rate differentials to be favorable for a currency, which is typically provided uh, currency strength. And so you add all this up, we uh, believe that the dollar weakness period, uh, the big move is, is behind us, we're in a basing period, we believe. And in our view, over the next 12 to 18 months, uh, the dollar ends up being stronger uh, off these low levels. Now, in this, in the super short term, we watch technicals, which means, you know, in essence, the trends that are playing out. Um, the euro is getting a bit stronger as of late. We we don't really under, fully understand the logic behind that. Um, Europe right now is is really struggling uh, economically speaking, and um, we don't see the the strength there to support that. Um, which is leading us to a bit of an underweight uh, to European equities and, and really taking a lot of tracking error in our positioning uh, abroad to find more active uh, opportunities or idiosyncratic opportunities. So our view, uh, dollar actually ends up a bit stronger uh, over the next 12 to 18 months. That is putting us tilting into the United States. 
So we look at earnings, PMIs, and currency. Right now, earnings, PMIs are, are again, tilting us in the U.S., and we'll have to see about the dollar, but our view is that it ends up a bit stronger than where we are today. Got it. So we've hit U.S. equities briefly on international. I do want to touch upon fixed income. Matt, where are you, where are you seeing opportunities, you and Emily, across the network in fixed income? The first thing I'd say is that the move in treasury yields was, has been substantial. And we've, we've gone from about 51 basis points in August uh, on the 10-year treasury yield uh, to as high as 177 uh, just uh, about a month ago on the 10-year. We're now down, we, we just actually dropped a bit below 1.6% on the 10-year. So there's a bit of digestion that we're seeing in, in treasury yields. And one of the things we were citing um, in communication with, with advisors and, and clients is that the bond market had gone through a bit of a bear uh, market in, in the first quarter. Now, bond market bears are different than stock market bears. Bond market bears are more like koala bears, uh, whereas stock market bears are more like grizzlies. Um, but we were down about 4% on the aggregate bond index. And that has actually been typically a, a point where the bond market typically runs its course of a corrective price action and then rebounds. And, and that's what we've seen a bit of. So um, we looked at uh, different opportunities across the fixed income landscape to start Q2. We remain overweight investment grade corporate bonds. Uh, triple B corporates are of our favorite. These are economically sensitive businesses. Um, they're a bit more cyclical in nature. Financials is where our bottom-up strategies are finding some really good opportunities. And these, these businesses improve as the economy improves. So the spread or the additional income that you get on a corporate bond versus treasuries likely stays in place. You likely get that extra income. Uh, for triple Bs, the yield is about 2.5% today. Um, and then we're looking at higher quality, high yield. So we believe that the lower rungs of high yield right now are, are priced pretty richly. Um, they're not incorporating a lot of risk, um, but the higher quality parts of high yield, we believe will have upgrade potential to investment grade, which they call in the industry a rising angel. Um, and those really have some nice opportunities and they have about a 4% yield. So investment grade corporates, a bit of high yield, and where this all comes together, when, when thinking about this in the Morningstar category uh, framework, is a core plus strategy. So core plus, you have enough of that core bond exposure, but then you're giving the strategy the ability to go into high yield, go into credit, and bottom-up bond picking is, you know, just like there's stock pickers, there's bond pickers. That in the corporate space will likely be the most important alpha engine for fixed income investors in 2021. And where we're seeing best uh, pond deficient or lake deficient um, is in that corporate credit space right around triple B to double B. Excellent. Thanks, Matt. I think you've coined the new term. We're going to call it a grizzly bear market or a koala bear market. I like that quite a bit. I envision your kids teaching you the differences between the two because that's, uh, that's what they're focused go. on. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, Emily, uh, any closing thoughts for our audience uh, around positioning or where they stand or how soon they need to get their taxes filed? <laughs> I'm very pleased by the extension of the tax deadline as well. Um, 
You know, one of the things, John, that we spend a lot of time looking at is, is fund flows. And we, we would like to get a gauge of sort of where investor sentiment is. And one of the biggest trends that we saw in 2020, which was unsurprising, was that investors went to cash and they went to money market funds. And, and it's unsurprising because typically that does happen in, in these risk risk off environments and recessionary periods. And when we looked at money market assets last year, the total got to nearly $5 trillion. That is a huge amount of money sitting in cash. And in our view, that's simply, you know, not a great place to be right now. And in fact, it's pretty subpar when you think about, uh, you know, all the great things the Fed has done. We didn't talk much about the Fed today, but they've, um, I'm sure they would like that as they'd like to kind of slink into the background if they could, but they can't. Uh, but they've done a lot in order to get us to the other side of, of COVID. But uh, the, the, the side effect to that is that rates are going to stay near the zero bound for some time. And that really does punish investors who are sitting in the shortest duration assets and in, in cash. So um, we're starting to see that cash coming off the sidelines. That typically happens after recessions. It also typically happens after elections as investors tend to sort of hide away until some of uh, the political backdrop is, is more clear. And so we kind of have the double whammy of emerging from the recession and the election. And so cash is starting uh, to get deployed here. And, and we think that it's an important time to you know, remind investors about the power of a balanced portfolio. You know, we look over the last 20 years, we talk about this in market intelligence and highlight that you know, a 60-40 portfolio has provided similar return uh, with less risk. Uh, and that's still very important, especially as we're starting to see correlations between stocks and bonds return to negative levels. And you just think about the importance of diversification. We lost that a little bit, um, kind of in the midst of all the, the chaos around COVID and the market reaction being so volatile in both directions over the past year. And now we're seeing this kind of quote unquote normal relationship between stocks and bonds um, reassert itself. Uh, here. So we think that that power of diversification remains incredibly important here as cash starts to get deployed, investors start to reach for risk. Uh, and then within that 60-40 portfolio, again, looking to high conviction ideas like a U.S. value, mid caps, corporate credit, and really trying to be nimble and, and tactical in terms of identifying those opportunities as potentially we see more volatility in the year to come. Um, so I just also like to mention we did just release the Q2 version of market intelligence, um, as I know you discussed in the beginning of the call. So you know whoever would like to hear more about these these themes that we've talked about today, we've got some great illustrations in there, and you can find it on our website. Thanks, John. You got it. I would echo that, folks. If you want to hear more, definitely visit our website jhinvestments.com. Uh, you can also follow Emily and Matt on Twitter. Uh, Emily's at Emily R. Roland, and Matt is at Matthew underscore Miskin. Uh, and if you're on our website listening to their insights, you can also subscribe to our Portfolio Intelligence podcast. Please check us out or on iTunes uh, or wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. I want to thank Matt and Emily for joining us today and thank our audience for listening to our show. We'll talk to you next time. This podcast is being brought to you by John Hancock Investment Management Distributors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker, 
are subject to change as market and other conditions warrant and do not constitute investment advice or a recommendation regarding any specific product or security. There is no guarantee that any investment strategy discussed will be successful or achieve any particular level of results. Any economic or market performance information is historical and is not indicative of future results and no forecasts are guaranteed. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal.